Sir, Sir, Sir Vance? What is it? Um, hey, uh, well, I was just, I, th- I thought maybe you might want to talk for a minute. I know, that, sorry, that probably sounds really weird. What is it, guy? Well, I, I know that this mission we're on is, is really important. Okay, I get that. But, look, just, just be straight with me. Did you, when, when you went down, when that orc, I thought he killed you. I thought he killed me too. When that happened and, and Kellen came over and thank God he was there and, and, and he, he cured you, when he healed you, I could see that you were not with us. What are you trying to say? Look, I'm just going to be frank with you, okay? And God looks a little nervous when he says that. Um, were, were you having another epi- episode? I guess you could say that. Look, I, I know that some stuff went down when you were serving in Barlin's army. And I know that you've told us basically not to talk about it. But are you sure you're okay to continue on this mission? I'm perfectly fine. I'm not trying to pry on your business or anything. I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm fine. No one needs to know about it. Uh, okay. Well, I'm I'm just going to go help with the, well, the victims, I guess. Just let me know if you need anything, okay? Okay. As Guy made his way back over to help care for the wounds of the rescued prisoners... Sir Vance lay himself down for the night beside the fire. Having healed as many wounds as he could using his holy magics, everyone gave him a space for the night. Sleep, that's what I need, thought Sir Vance. Some rest, and I'll be fine in the morning. But there would be no rest this night. Only memory. Memory of loss, of regret, and honor. You're listening to Make Believe Heroes, the origin of Sir Vance Oftawall, Paladin of Pelor and Holy Knight of Branshire. unpredictable sort, at times both filled with meaning and yet feckless, listless. They come and they go as they please, as if driven by some unknowable force of mischievousness or malice. Sir Vance had not dreamed of that night in months. He had almost begun to believe that it had finally left him, the ghost of his past. And yet, as he lay there resting after a brush with death, Behind his eyes, those visions took form once more. It's the evening of the third day since Barlin's army marched to meet the horde of the Orc Kings, led by Sir Vance Oftewall, captain of the guard, 
the soldiers of Barlin's Pass managed to push the orcs back to the foot of the Sylvan Mountains, north between Branshire and Barlin's Pass. After a long day of battle, which led to a great victory, Sir Vance is in his tent, getting some much-needed rest and mulling over their battle plans for the next day. While he looks over their battle map, Vance's best friend and second-in-command, Sir James Waldegrave, enters his tent, holding in his hand a bottle that Sir Vance immediately recognizes as Honeymead from his hometown, Branshire. Vance, I have Honeymead here, all the way from Branshire, all the way from home. I have it. I've, I've saved it for now. I finally got that arrowhead dug out of my thigh, those dang fangs today. Could you believe it? We really gave them a run for the money. Come on, James, you know I don't drink. Vans, come This is the good stuff. It's Honeymead from Branshire. It's gonna be a pass. Well, I guess it's more for me. More for me. Sir James takes a seat across from Sir Vance, where he often sits during these times, and turns the bottle of Honeymead back, savoring the sweet flavor of the Honeymead and the victory of battle. Well, Vance... The fire should be enough light. You can finally read that, that letter you've been holding on to. I know it's been a while. Actually, I just read it already. You did? Yes. What she say? It should be any time now. The child should be born. Did she say, boy, girl, did the, what are the midwives saving? What, 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 what's going on? You know how it is. There's so many superstitions about what it's going to be. Everyone's saying a boy. I'm holding out for it, but you will see. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping a boy, too. But you never know. Need someone to pass on my legacy. Listen, listen, Vance. I, I think you could be the head of Balin's army before this is <laughs> over. You really could. I mean, the wealth they're already sending back to Branshire for you. We could retire today. We could quit tonight. You want to go? You want to go home? I strive for honor above all. I think you earned it. You saved all of our lives whenever that pack came across us. I mean, I got the first arrow. Stopped it from hitting you, but... If you hadn't seen the other side, them coming up behind us, we'd all be dead. It was just luck. As if on cue, the moment the word luck leaves Vance's mouth, the harrowing sound of an orcish war horn breaks through the sound of the camp. Men can be heard yelling as they're running to answer. That sounds like... It shouldn't... Why is there sounds coming from the north? You're, you're the captain. What will we do? We must prepare for battle. Sir Vance and James rush out the door of his tent to find a camp in panic. Men are rushing around and readoring their armor. One soldier trips over a giant stew pot, spilling their night's dinner. Off in the distance, the horns continue, accompanied by orcish war cries and the din of battle. Vance quickly begins barking out orders, gathering his men to him, and they run headlong toward the sound of weapons clashing and men screaming. Just when Barlin's army thought they had won a moment's respite, the horde of the orc kings struck. They were taken completely by surprise. Within moments, the orcs had hewn down a considerable portion of their men. Their scouts had been executed in their stations as the elite band of orc fighters snuck their way down the mountain from the north. These orcs were like no other. Each stood a foot taller than any man, and they wielded their weapons with purpose. This was the Brute Guard, the Orc King's own force of especially chosen and trained soldiers. They were raised for one purpose, to slaughter men like sheep. In the end, Barlin's army won by sheer numbers. 
they flooded over the brute guard like a sea until the orcs finally made their retreat. Horsemen made chase, but most of them escaped into the forest of the mountain. The battle was over in minutes, but it felt like hours to Sir James Waldegrave. After the brutes fled, he wandered over the scene of the battle, searching for their captain. But have you, have you seen Savats? Searching the battlefield, he found him, right near the front where the orcs had struck the hardest. He lay there with bodies strewn all around him, mostly the enemy. As Sir James quickly rushed to his friend, he noticed a large black arrow protruding from his side and another at the base of his neck. He was still breathing. Vance? Vance, is that you? Give, give me your hand. Let, let me help you up. There's no getting up for me. Vance, oh, you, you're going to be fine. It's just, oh, there's, there's an arrow on the side. An, another one in, in your neck. Here, I'll, I'll call a wizard. It's too late. It's, well, let me try something. Just promise me one thing. What? Any, anything. What? Raise my child. To strive for honor. Vance? Vance? Vance, wake up. Vance? Vance? Someone! Get the clerk! Call wizard! Get the clerk! I need- I need help up here! The captain! He's down! Help! As Sir James rushed around the war camp, unwilling to accept that his friend was gone, many miles away, a child is born. Vance's mother, Claire, had struggled in labor through the night. All around her bed were linens stained red with blood. The child had been obstinate, refusing to leave the comfort of her womb. But Claire was more stubborn still. Summoning a strength that is beyond any man, she birthed the child with great pain and sheer force of will. It's a boy, Claire. You have a son, cried Mrs. Clark, Claire's close friend and handmaid. She had held her hand from the moment that her water broke through over a half day's labor. Amazed at the strength of her dear friend and overcome with relief that the baby was finally free, she wept. Vance. His name is Vance. Like his father, the new mother said weakly. Yes, of course. Mrs. Clark looked at the other midwives, a look of concern on her face. They were trying to staunch the flow of blood the situation was looking more dire by the second. Tilly, said Claire. She'd always called her that since they were girls. I want to hold him. Let me see. But before she could speak another word, her body turned against her. She had relinquished too much blood, sacrificed too much of her spirit in bringing the boy into this world, and her time was up. The midwives did all that they could but there was no wound to heal, no visible source of distress. Claire had simply given all of herself to deliver the child. There was nothing they could do but pray as her soul left her body while Mrs. Clark stood by weeping with the newborn boy in her arms. Two days later, Sir James Waldegrave rode along the eastern road, headed west toward Branshire. In the carriage behind him was a casket, bearing his friend and captain. 
he would return him to his home where he would be laid to rest. As he rode on silently, lost in his mournful thoughts, dreading the news that he was about to deliver, he encountered a courier coming from the direction of Branshire. It was one of Sir Vance's retainers. He was on his way to Barlin's Pass with a letter for Sir Vance. Oh, boy, come here. You're approaching the caravan of Sir Vance off the wall. The courier slows his trot and approaches the caravan cautiously at first, but then recognizing Sir James. Oh, Sir, Sir James, what are you doing on the road? <sighs> Sir James pauses with a quick glance back at the casket, and he drops his head. I'm escorting Sir Vance home. What do you need, boy? Bringing his horse right up to the caravan, the courier's eyes settle on the wooden casket in the back of the wagon. I'm to deliver a message to Sir Vance. I'll be taking that boy. You'll be... I'm... Yep. Is... You'll give me the message, and you'll ride back with me. Yes, yes, sir. Taking the letter in his hand, Sir James pauses and steps around the cart, walking up to Sir Vance. Uh, Vance? I got... I got a letter here. It, it's from your wife. I'm, I'm going to read it to you. Handshaking, he broke the wax seal of the house off the wall and read the tear-smeared words of Mrs. Clark. Sir Vance, I must request that your lordship make haste to return home to Branchire. It is with my deepest regret to inform you that your wife, my beloved friend, Claire, has passed. She gave all that she had to deliver your child. He is a beautiful and healthy baby boy. With her final words, she named him to honor you. His name, Sir Vance Oftewall, the second. We are preparing for the funeral. We need you here. Your son needs you here, Vance. Please come home. With respect, Matilda Clark. Mrs. Clark and Sir James Waldegrave stood beside the crib as the child slept. Struggling to cope with the grief of losing their dearest friends, they alone were left to decide what to do about the boy. Both had been named godparents for the child long before his birth. The act of raising a child is both the most noble and most difficult thing that a person can do. Mrs. Clark was with child at that very moment, so the motherly nature came quite easy to her. But... For Sir James, this was the most daunting and terrifying task that he had ever faced. This small, sleeping infant had just become the sole heir of the off-the-wall fortune, and more importantly, the last owner of the off-the-wall name. Raise my child to strive for honor. Those were Vance's final words, and so he would. On that day, Sir James Waldegrave walked away from everything that he had ever known. He left behind his fame and glory as a knight captain of Barlin's army and took on a new mantle, one of much less clout and honor. He became a father. Years come and go in a flash. Soon the boy is crawling, walking, talking, then running. All the while, he's raised in a veritable mansion by his surrogate parents. 
The child grows healthy and strong, a natural-born leader. Even Mrs. Clark's son, Guy, follows after him, often into mischief as boys do. Sir James never could have imagined the love that he would have for the boy, the son of his best friend, and now his own child by all but blood. And yet, as the boy grew older, a distance manifested between them. It was hardly noticeable at first, but as Vance went into his teenage years, James began to recognize it for what it was, or he had seen it before. James had tried in all things to teach the boy to be honorable, just as he had promised his father. But in doing so, he had sparked the same hunger that had grown in himself as a child, the desire for glory. Vance pushed himself, constantly training, never without a weapon in his hand. Sir James began sparring with the boy, imparting all the knowledge that he had with a sword. Soon Vance surpassed even his skill with the weapon, and Vance's hunger for combat could not be sated. He practiced every day after his lessons, becoming more than proficient with a long sword, and then a great sword, then a great axe, and then a pike. The boy seemed not to wield the weapons, but to make them an extension of his own flesh. He was a terror with a weapon in hand, and while James couldn't help but be proud, his fears for the boy became worse by the day. It was that natural prowess and desire for glory that set a fire in Vance's heart. He came to Sir James, excited to share the news. Barlin's army was sending a recruiter into Branshire that very week, and he was going to enlist. He would be like his father. He would be a knight of Barlin's army. Nothing could have prepared him for the devastated look on Sir James's face. He broke into a rage, yelling at the boy, pelting him with insults. He would not stand by and let him throw away everything that he and Mrs. Clark had done to give him a good life, a safe life. He would not let him fall to the same fate as his father. Sir James sits in his study, the same room in which his late friend used to pass the night's reading. He sits alone in the study, sipping a glass of honeymead. From his chair, he has a clear view of the front door. And so he sits, listening to the sound of the rain as it beat against his windows on this blustery, rainy summer day, waiting for Vance to step through the front door. And before James can reach the bottom of his short glass, the door creaks open as the boy steps inside, dripping rainwater onto the floor. Junior, I need to talk to you for a minute. Will you come in here? I want you to come in here and I want you to sit down. All right, whatever. Sit down. All right, Vance. Are you going to tell me where you've been? Or do I need to tell you where you've been? <laughs> if you can tell me where I've been, why does it matter? So you'd mean to tell me that one of Ballin's lieutenants lets you sign up, eh? Of course. You think that I was just going to let you walk out? You don't have to let me. I think I do. No. No, you don't understand. I think I do. See, here's the deal. No one here, the butlers, all us has raised you, me, especially me, or your mother, Claire, or your dad, none of them, they don't want you to go. They're dead. I'm not dead. What about Mrs. Clark? Took you to school every morning, made you food, made sure you had everything you need, 
not like you've you struggled with that. Have you seen this house? She'll be all right. She'll be all right. Yeah, I'll be gone. You'll be gone. Yeah, you see, that's a, that's the whole point. You'll be gone. You know, you're the last off the wall. You're the last of them. That's right. Yeah. That means I need to gain honor. You need to gain honor. Your father would tell you that dying and leaving his son behind is not the way to gain honor. He would tell you that charging off into orcs by yourself is a good way to die. He would tell you that you should listen to me. Well, he's not here. You're right. You're right, he's not. I wish he was. Listen, Junior. You're gonna do what I say. You're gonna stay here. You're gonna settle down with a pretty girl. You wanna help the people of Branshire is what you're gonna do. My name is Vance Offterwall. Not James Waldegrave. Your name is Offterwall, but it's Junior. You've not deserved the title of your father. That's right. I deserve to gain honor and make my own name. Here's the deal. If I got lucky in your room, that's what I'll do. If I got a gorgeous in the night, I'll do that too. But you ain't going off. Ain't going up to Barlin's Pass where you're going to die to some filthy orc. Well, we'll see how that goes for you. You see how it goes for me? Here, look. You see these scars? You see this one on my leg? You see that? You've seen them before. I got that one the day your father died. And I swore to him I'd take care of you. And so you're going to storm off and leave me now? What? You think, you think you're going to get some honor by dying? You think I'm going to die? I'm better than that. That's what your father thought too. That's what he thought. I'll tell you what. You take your butt. You watch it upstairs. And that little crappy sword they gave you on your side to make you feel all special. You're going to leave it right here. You understand? Sure. Take it off. I want you to leave the sword here. Alright. Alright. Go upstairs. We'll talk about this over dinner. Vance leaves Sir James' study and goes up the stairs, down the hallway, to his bedroom. Once inside, he grabs his bag, which he had already prepared with a few things he might need for the journey. With the bag across his shoulder, he steps over to the north window pausing for just a moment to look back at all the memories of growing up in this house. He thought of Guy and Mrs. Clark, and he wondered if he would ever see them or step foot in this house again. Then setting his jaw, he climbed out the window into the storm and set his feet toward Barlin's Pass. Two years pass in the blink of an eye as Vance arrives in Barlin's Pass and enlists in the army. From the first moment that he stepped onto the training fields in Barlin's Pass, the captains, knights, and generals knew that this boy was born for battle. His ability to wield a weapon was unmatched by his peers and quickly he began to rise through the ranks, gaining merit for himself before he ever stepped foot on the battlefield. Of course, it wasn't long before he did just that. Although there was no great war like the War of the Orc Kings such as his father and Sir James fought, Barlin's army was tasked with keeping the peace for the realm of the humans. From the Sylvan Mountains all the way down to the southern shore of the eastern portion of Manumi, Barlin's army served humanity and all the free peoples of Manumi. In Vance's service to Barlin's army, 
he formed a group of close-knit friends, fellow soldiers with whom he would complete many tasks. He defeated many orcs, many brigands and thieves, and Barlin's army was never stagnant for long. Vance moved with impunity. No one was more self-assured, more confident. No one was quicker in making that difficult decision in the moment than Vance was, and that gained the attention of his superiors. Before long, his name was known amongst every captain and general and knight in Barlin's army. And over the next year and a half of his service, Vance would become a name that was on the tongue of every member of Barlin's army. Vance the Brave, just like his father. Everyone expected great things from Vance. Often he would think of Sir James and his home back in Branshire. How wrong James was, how great things were going for him in the army. He was lauded, he'd gained glory and honor. Two years from the day that he enlisted in Barlin's army, Vance's battalion was granted a furlough. He was going home to Branshaw for the first time in two years. He was nervous, but excited. Excited to see Guy, Mrs. Clark, Pauline, Gregory, maybe go by the barley barrel. Excited to be home. But before they could be released on the furlough, their captain, Captain Quinn, another Branshawing, who grew up just down the street from the off-the-wall manor, gathered Vance and his troop together, a brave and capable group of young men and women and they headed northwest toward the Sylvan Mountains. The army had received intel from one of their scouts northwest that a small horde of orcs was moving through the forest. They anticipated that this small horde was probably headed for some of the smaller villages around Barlin's Pass. Captain Quinn would take Vance and his troop of soldiers north and west. They would find where the orcs were holed up for the night get a count and send word back to Barlin's Pass. This was to be a recon mission only. These soldiers were about to go home for a rest, a much needed rest. This was just one more check off the list as Vance made his way toward knighthood. When they reached the Sylvan Mountains and snuck their way westerly toward a cavern where they expected the orcs were holed up, Captain Quinn split the group into sections. Vance and Louise would approach from the western side. Nike and Max would come from the east. Captain Quinn took the Toms and Maddie and snuck down from the northern side of the cavern. From these vantage points, they would surely be able to find out how many there were and just how large a battalion Barlin's army would need to send to take care of these monsters. Surely with these lives saved, Sir Vance could make a real campaign for his knighthood. However, as Vance and Louise approached from the western side, they had a clear view into the cavern. They made their way stealthily forward, aided by the falling rain in this late summer day. But as they approached the cavern, they heard a strange sound. Not the expected reveling of orcs making preparations to raid homes and pillage villages. Instead, they heard the sound of children laughing, playing, the sound of mothers calling to their children. Although the orcs spoke in their native tongue the ugly, guttural language of the orcs, Vance and Louise had no trouble discerning the loving coo of a mother to her child. This was no orc horde. This was a family. Louise takes pause, turning to Vance. Vance, that doesn't look like any horde to me. 
looks like a family. I didn't think orcs had families. They have kids? They're just monsters. I thought they just grew them in the ground or something. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, Captain Quinn will be glad to hear that there's no horde. They won't even need to send a battalion. Let's go back and meet with the rest of the group. Yeah, let's meet up with Captain Quinn. Louise and Vance make their way back through the forest stealthily to meet with their captain and the rest of the group. As they approach, even in the dimming light, Sir Vance can see a large smile across Captain Quinn's face. Captain, we have some great news. It's not a horde. There are just a few of them, probably less than a dozen. There are some males, but mostly women and children. I, I don't think they pose any threat. There should be no need to send a battalion from Barlin's army. The captain pauses, looking at Vance and Louise, scanning the rest of the group. I'll tell you what we're going to do, he says. We're going to take these orc scum out. Vance and Louise look stunned for a moment. Now's no time to be losing your grit. You say a family, then I suppose you mean children. Well, those children are going to grow up to be human slaughtering orcs. That's what they're going to be. Sure, they're small now, but you give them a few years, they'll be vicious, they'll be ruthless, and they'll be the ones that come into our towns, our villages, and pillage and kill our own people. Now's our chance to cut them off at the source. We can handle these orcs. I don't... I don't... Children? Orcs, Vance. Captain Quinn scans the faces of his soldiers, measuring their grit, their resolve. Let me explain to you how this is going to go. We're going to go down here, and we're going to take these orcs out. We're going to remove the threat, and we're going to be heroes for it. And we're going to save our people. Those are monsters, and we're about to exterminate them. Now, unless any of you want a court-martial, you'd better fall in line. This is our duty. Killing orcs. Now let's go do it. Captain Quinn took off down the mountainside, through the forest, moving with purpose quietly toward the cavern. Reluctantly, the soldiers followed. As they reached the mouth of the cave, Captain Quinn signaling for a few of them to move in, at once the troop fell on the unsuspecting orcs. The adults, spotting them rushing toward the cavern entrance, tried to grab their weapons, but before they could equip themselves, the soldiers attacked. It was over before it started. The orcs had no chance against these trained soldiers. They had done this dozens of times. Vance in the front hewed down one of the largest orcs. The Toms, Louise, Quinn, they moved through cutting the orcs down like butter. The children ran to the back of the cavern, cowering as the soldiers executed the adults. As Vance turned to see the children fleeing for the back of the cavern, he was struck suddenly in the back of the head by a female orc wielding a piece of driftwood she'd found in the cave. He slumped down to one knee, dazed from the attack, his ears ringing. After a few moments, he looked up. There were orc bodies strewn throughout the cavern. In the back, there was one female orc, cowering against the wall, holding in her arms two small children. They were crying loudly as the orcish woman wept in fear. 
Max was standing over her with a look of shock on his face, sword in hand. Captain Quinn walks up to Vance. Pick yourself up, boy. Vance slowly rises to his feet, taking the scene in. The smell of blood is thick in the air. Captain Quinn stands over Max in his ear. I command you, kill it now. That's an order. Do not hesitate. Tears running down his face. Max's grip on his sword loosens, and he slips down onto his knees. Captain Quinn rushes to Vance. Vance, finish this, now. The, it's a Vance, listen to me. He pulls him in close. These soldiers are looking to you, Vance. It's time to show your worth. Finish this. You want your knighthood, Vance? This is your chance. Show us your strength, Vance, and you'll have your knighthood tomorrow. I will see to it myself. Vance stands for the first time, no confidence, no surety, only uncertainty and turmoil raging through his mind and his heart. What's it gonna be, Vance? Are you worth your salt? Captain Quinn steps back as the troop looks on at Vance with bated breath both anxious and afraid to see what Vance would do. Vance off the wall, the second, drops his head. In spite of the war raging inside him, against his own better judgment and goodwill, he draws his sword, hands trembling, and he steps toward the woman cowering on the floor. And like a good soldier, he does as his captain commands. Three days later, Sir Vance Oftewall, Knight of Barlin's army, drove along the same eastern road that his godfather had driven all those years ago, bringing his father's body back to Branshire. He had gone over the events of the last few days over and over in his head. The recon mission, the orcs, their bodies, and then their journey home. There had been a warm reception of their troop as they returned from the journey as Captain Quinn had sent word ahead of them of their valor in battle. The story told of how they had been discovered by a horde of 30 orcs, how that they stood valiantly, how that they used the terrain to their advantage to slay these wicked creatures one by one, standing back to back, refusing to back down. It was a story of such honor and such glory that the Lord Commander of Barlin's army could not refuse when Captain Quinn nominated Vance Off the Wall II for his knighthood. Oh, Vance had been the greatest of them all, he said, the most valiant, leading his troop into battle. He did what no one else could do. But Sir Vance had received no joy from the look of pride on his captain's face. Instead, as he knelt before the Lord Commander of Barlin's Pass, being knighted for his valor in battle, he felt only a sick emptiness inside. Now returning to Branshire for the first time in two years, the thought of facing Guy, Mrs. Clark, Sir James, knowing what great lengths he had gone to to get his honor, he wept. Sir Vance had finally gained the title for which he had so desperately longed. His return to Branshire, though one brimming with pomp and circumstance, was shrouded by the darkness of what he had done to gain it. 
The four weeks of Cervantes' furlough passed by in the blurriness of a drunken stupor. Each night, Vance's childhood friend and retainer, Guy, goes with him to local taverns where Vance drinks with a ferocity that frightens his friend. This continues each night at first, but then, even during the day, Vance goes from tavern to tavern, finding anyone that will sell him the spirits that he needs to escape what haunts him. At night, sleeping in his quarters at the off-the-wall manor, Guy, Mrs. Clark, and the other retainers and servants hear him crying out often through the night about children, about orcs, screaming. At the end of his four weeks, he receives a summons to return to Barlin's Pass. Guy brought it to him himself, but after Servants read it, he tossed it into the fireplace without a word. Mrs. Clark, concerned for what might happen if he ignores such a summons, sends a letter to Captain Quinn to inform him that Vance had fallen ill and that he wouldn't be able to return to Barlin's Pass for some weeks more. More weeks pass and Mrs. Clark becomes afraid for Vance's life. She has tried to speak with him many times, but Vance won't hear her. He won't speak of what haunts him, his nightmares, his relentless drinking. Instead, he curls up in the bottom of a bottle, drinking his life away, succumbing to the darkness. In desperation, Mrs. Clark visits the Temple of Pelor in Branshar. Mrs. Clark isn't a particularly religious woman. She has faith in Pelor, but she doesn't often visit the temple. To be honest, she hasn't had many things in her life that she felt she needed to pray over. But she goes this day, sitting near the back of the circular sanctuary. She kneels down on one of the pews and begins to pray. One of the priests in the temple, noticing her great distress, goes to Glaron, the high cleric of the temple of Pelor. High Cleric Glaron makes his way to the back of the sanctuary. Quietly, timidly, he takes a seat on the pew, waiting for Mrs. Clark to finish with her prayers. After a few moments, the woman looks up, wiping the tears from her eyes and rises from her knees to see the High Cleric waiting. Mrs. Clark, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances. It's Vance. I just don't know what to do anymore. Ah, uh, Sir Vance. Uh, I'm sorry, is is he sick? Is there something going on at home? He just, he's not eating very well, and, and he's, he's just drinking himself to death. I don't, I've talked to him tirelessly, and he just will not stop. Drinking? Is something bothering him? Has he told you of anything that happened while he was away? No. He keeps to himself about anything that, that's going to bother him. He doesn't He doesn't talk about anything, uh, any of his problems, really. Hmm. In my experience, when a man turns so deeply to the drink, he is trying to escape something in his life, in reality. Have you noticed anything strange going on with Servants? In the night, he'll scream out. It's like he's having night terrors. He's, he wakes up sweating and crying, and he's inconsolable. But he doesn't talk about what it is. It's just Mm. nightmares and the constant drinking all the time. I don't know if it's caused from that or if there is something that has truly bothered him to the point that he can't rest and can't eat and can only find comfort in drinking all the time. Should he not be returning to the military soon? That's another thing. I think that he burned... The summons, I saw him burn it in the fire the other day. He... He's just lost all touch 
of reality and... Burn it in the fire. Yeah. My goodness. I don't even think he opened it. Well, that is indeed cause for concern. I'm afraid if he does not return to the summons quickly, then they may... Hmm, they may send someone after him. I don't understand. The boy has always sought this honor of knighthood. He gains it and he returns to... to this? Hmm. Mrs. Clark, allow me to see if I can't help with the situation. That would be wonderful. I will speak with the boy. I can't guarantee that I can reach him, but rest assured, everything will turn out for the better. Paylor will light Vance's way. Thank you so much. If there's ever anything that I can do or the temple can do for you, Mrs. Clark, do not hesitate to ask. Thank you so much. This is, I just didn't know where to turn, and I appreciate you going to speak with him. It is no problem at all. High Cleric Glaron stands and escorts Mrs. Clark out from the sanctuary. She makes the walk back to the off-the-wall manor. For the first time since Vance returned, she feels a modicum of peace. Later that afternoon, an older man wearing white linen robes trimmed with gold entered into the barley barrel a local amenable tavern in Branshire. The owner, Boren Barley, an older halfling, was a good friend of Glaren's. Often he would find himself here for supper in the evenings and they would have long conversations about Branshire, Pelor, and just life. Boren meets Glaren at the door as he approaches. Hello, Glaren. How are you this evening? Gonna get you a table? Hello there, Boren. Good to see you as well. Actually, I'm here looking for someone. Perhaps you might have seen him. It's a the young off-the-wall boy. I, I'd like to have a conversation with him. Is he in the tavern today? Oh, why, yes, he's actually sitting right over here. Um, well, he's a bit indisposed right now, if you if you get my saying. He's been here a lot lately, just um, seems to just be drinking something away, that's for sure. Ah, yes, well, if it's all right with you, I think I'll just go back and have a seat with the boy, and hopefully I can, well, talk some sense into him. Glaron makes his way toward the back of the tavern, where Sir Vance is slumped over, drooling onto the table, surrounded by a great pile of flagons drained to the last drop. Glaron approaches quietly, pulls back a chair, and has a seat, patiently waiting for Sir Vance to come around. After a few moments, Sir Vance wakes, leaning back in his chair and stretching with a groan. Well, hello, Sir Vance. I see that you've fallen once again into a stupor from this drink. What are you doing here, old man? Well, I'd like to have a conversation with you, and, and perhaps I should have something to drink. A couple of moments later, Boren comes over to the table, bearing a glass of honeyed milk, Glaren's drink of choice. Ah, yes, delicious as usual. Thank you, Boren. Forgive me, Sir Vance, would you like a drink? I've already got a drink. Yes, but I, I believe you might enjoy this one... If you just take a little sip, trust me. Glaron leans his glass over to Sir Vance, and Vance takes the glass of milk and turns it back. As he thirstily drinks the milk, he is taken aback by the warmth of the beverage. Expecting a cold and refreshing glass of milk, the drink instead somehow both invigorates and relaxes him, like a warm fire on a cold night. And immediately, Vance feels the effects of his recent binge fade away. Ah, yes, I can see that that's better. Does that sit well on the stomach, Vance? What do you want? 
Well, I was visited today by someone I believe you know, Mrs. Clark. Of course, she's taken care of you from the time you were very young. Yes, closest thing you've ever had to a mother. The woman, she's a saint. Mrs. Clark. Yes, she came to me and, uh, well, Vance, you've, you've been to the temple. You know why people come to pray, to seek guidance from Paylor. Sure. She came seeking guidance. She is quite concerned for you, Vance. It's not really any fair concern. Oh, boy, I'm afraid that that ship has sailed. I'm very sorry for the loss of your sweet mother, Claire, and your father, Sir Vance. They were two of the greatest people in all of Branshire. Your mother was so generous. And your father, <laughs> he told the best jokes. And he always brought light into the room. When they died, we, we mourned here in Branshire for months. But Mrs. Clark, and of course, Sir James, did their best to take care of you. And if anyone ever loved a son more than they have loved you, well, I've never known them. I understand you've been having some nightmares. Sure, if that's what you want to call it. A look of comprehension dawns on Glaren's face, and he lowers his head with his eyes closed for a moment, sighing deeply. <sighs> Vance, I understand that sometimes we are called upon to do things that seem, well, that seem wrong. And sometimes those things tend to haunt us. I've done things I regret. We all have. But sometimes those regrets seem too big, like we can't shake them off, like a weight that we carry on our shoulders, and that if we were to set the weight down, that we would simply fall apart, that it is both simultaneously weighing us down more than we can bear, and yet it's our responsibility to bear it, and to lay it down would be weakness, would be... it would be a sin. But I believe I have something that might help you. Glaren reaches into the pocket of his robes, and he pulls out a small pin and sits it on the table in front of Sir Vance. This is a pin that Vance would have seen many times during his years in Branshire, the golden, six-pointed, circular son of Pelor. I understand that you were summoned back to the army just weeks ago. Is that correct? Unfortunately. Do you intend to return? I don't know if I can. Well, you do know that it is punishable by death to desert the military. Once you have signed, once you have given them your life. Maybe that would be better. What if I told you there was another way? What other way is there? There is one way that someone can lay aside their duties to the army. He says, sliding the pin toward Vance. This is a pin marking the service to Pelor, To the temple of Pelor, precisely in Branshire. Vance, you're a knight. I don't know what you went through when you were there in Balin's Army and Balin's Pass. I don't need to know. I've heard stories of the valor and great things that you've done over the last two years. And no single act and no difficult suffering in your life, whatever it may be that haunts you, can erase all the good that you have done. All the good that Sir James and that the Lady Mrs. Clark and that your parents willed into your life. Come work for the temple, Vance. I will make you a holy knight of Pelor, a paladin of the highest order, and not only will you retain your honor, not only will you be imbued with the might and strength of the paladins of Pelor, but you will be free of your commitment to Barlin's army. Glaren rises from his seat and pushes in his chair. I don't expect you to answer right away, Vance, but listen to me when I tell you, there is still good for you to do in this life. Pelor 
has a will and a reason for all of humankind. He loves and craves us. Please, consider my offer. I expect to hear from you in the morning. Glaren turns around and walks out of the tavern, leaving Sir Vance there with his thoughts as he looks down at the table and sees the golden sun of Pelor gleaming up at him. Early the next morning, High Cleric Glaron is doing as he usually does on these beautiful summer days. He is walking through the gardens outside the Temple of Pelor, looking at the orchard trees, the flowers, the bushes. This is his time of meditation, a time for him to survey and adore the creation of Pelor. As he's walking, he hears the telltale sound of footsteps approaching. It's servants looking much cleaner and more sober than the night before. Sir Vance comes walking through the orchard, approaching the High Cleric Glaron, holding forth the symbol of Pelor in his hand. Ah, Vance. So you found your way to the temple. I see you've got my pen there. I've been thinking about it. Yes? I just don't see how things would be any different. I don't know. You mean with that hole inside of you? Yeah. Vance? I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I can say this. Pelor is a just god, and I have never done anything in all my life as fulfilling and as heartwarming than when I gave my life to Pelor. I just don't see... I don't think what I have done is forgivable. I don't see how a life for Pelor is livable for someone like me. I understand... In war, you have to take many lives. The only thing that I could say is that the best way to make atonement, perhaps, to find forgiveness for the lives taken is to give life back to those who are in danger of losing it. And that's what I'm asking you to do. As the Paladin of Pelor, you would be the Paladin of our Temple of Pelor in Branshire, our only Paladin in the service of our temple here in Branshire, not traveling the world and seeking adventure, but in service to our city and our people. You would protect our people. You give life to our people, to our men, our women, and our children. And you would have the blessing of Pelor. Glaren reaches forth his hand to take the pendant from Sir Vance. As Vance hands it to him, the pen immediately begins to glow with a golden light like the sun. The blessing of Pelor cannot be given to one who is not in their heart just, one who is not in their heart willing to do what is right and cares for people. He hands the pen back to Sir Vance. It becomes cold the moment that he touches it, and then it grows dim. Vance looks up at Glaron, now certain that he is, in fact, unworthy. But Glaron just grins, confused, Sir Vance begins to feel a warmth in the palm of his hand. Looking down, he sees the son of Pelor as it begins to glow a brightness even more radiant than it did in Glaren's hand. This warmth did not erase all of Sir Vance's fears. It did not wash away his guilt or make his past as if it had never happened. But in that moment, he knew that this was the path to forgiveness.
this thing will shine brighter for me than it will you. Maybe I ought to be in your position. <laughs> Perhaps you should, boy. Perhaps you should. So we're going to take that as a yes? I guess it's a yes. Excellent. Glaren gives him a hearty slap on the back. Now let's go over to the temple and see if we can't get you suited. If you're going to be the paladin of the Temple of Pelor, you're going to need to look the part. We'll get you maybe a chest plate? Hmm. A chest plate? Yes. It's got to have the off-to-wall symbol on it. That big gaudy phoenix? Of course. <sighs> well, well, we'll see. I mean, it better be. You're saying that's the deal? I just said it better be. <laughs> well, all right. We'll make it happen. And you'll need a sword. I prefer something to keep my distance with. Okay, like like a, a spear? Or you... A little bit longer. A pike. A pike? Yeah. Whatever you say, Vance. Sir Vance and Glaron leave the gardens and enter through the front doors of the temple. The High Cleric and the Paladin of the Temple of Pelor. And that does it for the origin story of Sir Vance Off the Wall. We are really happy to finally have this out in the wild for you all to hear. We've been working on it for quite some time, and we're really pleased with the way it turned out. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Before we let you go completely, there are a couple of things I want to mention. Obviously, you can find us on Twitter at MBH Podcast. Big shout out to BattleBards.com, Tabletop Audio, and another shout out to Sword Coast Soundscapes. You can find them on YouTube with tons of background effects and soundscapes that are perfect to use at your table. We use them for some of the military camp that you heard, the tavern and stuff. You should check them out. could really add another layer to your game. Now, next week, we're going to be releasing a short conversational bonus episode, much like the one we did with Jeremy back in January. So you guys have a few days if you would like to get in any questions for Jeffrey uh, about Cervantes, about this episode, any comments you want to give him. If you send us an email, we'll give you a shout out and read your email on the air if you want us to. And of course, if you have any general questions about the show, about any of the previous episodes, about anything at all, feel free to email us at makebelieveheroespodcast at gmail.com. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. And of course, you can always reach us on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Can't wait to hear back from you all to see how this turned out. This has been Make Believe Heroes. Adios.